You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, welcome to this episode of Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. My name is Sean Tice. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have a, our guest today, Jake Friels. Uh, Jake and I met years ago. I think it was 2011. Uh, we were both working for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA. We met each other at the home office at the the training, and but and, and just an amazing friendship since then. But I'm excited to uh, just have you on, man. Would you just tell us about yourself? Tell us about your ministry. Um, just whatever you want to share. Yeah, man, Sean, just so good to get to catch up with you. And uh, I do. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were sitting in that FCA office and all of a sudden you pull out a pamphlet talking about fatherlessness. I think that was like your very first ever book and your very first ever pamphlet, man, when it came out. And I was like, dude, this guy's going to change the game, you know. (laughs) I was like, this is freaking amazing, you know. Um, but I left uh, FCA because... um, I tried to get FCA to do stuff for fatherless athletes. And it was just, <laughs> I'm like, I just need to, I was already doing life factors too. And I was like, I just need to go do life factors. I just need to go. Yeah. 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 No. And I think, you know, you and I had a lot of conversations about fatherlessness and that, you know, over those trainings and, you know, as, as you know, I mean, I lost my dad when I was young and, and uh, lived a, lived a life uh, that most fatherless kids live. And, you know, until, uh, I had that face-to-face encounter with the father of all, you know, so that he's the one that changes everything. Yeah. Now, would you tell us about uh, your ministry? So you you were working for FCA. Then what did you do after that? Yeah. So then we ended up started uh, planting churches um, and uh, on college campuses and reaching the next generation. And um, and then I was also doing crusades and um, evangelism events and um, stadium events and things like that. Um, and we were just, you know, just trying to make a difference and make an impact. And um, we've did that for a while. And then uh, recently, uh, in the last six years, um, the Lord had moved me back to my hometown in Stephenville, Texas. And, uh, and so we ran after, we've been running after the heart of the next generation there. Um, through churches, through outreaches, and again, through um, just connecting one-on-one with people and introducing them to the Father. And um, and so that's just what we've been up to. Now we run a men's ministry as well, and we do trips all around the country, and um, from elk hunting trips to fly fishing trips to camping trips to, you know, just get out in creation and let God speak to us and, you know, revitalize our hearts or, you know, there's nothing like sitting in the arms of the father, you know, I mean, it's, you know, they, he does that so many times when we're out in the middle of the wilderness, man. And, uh, and that's part of it. You know, I'm actually in a, in a house right now that, uh, we bought to run men's trips out of, um, on the Brazos river in Glen Rose, Texas. And so we just finished a trip this week. Uh, and, um, and man, we just went out and fly fished and hunted pigs and, uh, and then, uh, just sat and talked around a table for hours and hours and hours and let God love on us. Um, and, um, and sit in his arms, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if we can't sit in his arms and know that he loves us, then everything else is just like being an orphan running around, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. so our highest priority is to, is to that, to be in the arms of the father, no matter what it is, whether we're running businesses, whether we're running ministries, you know, cause we run a business, we have businesses as well. And it does, it doesn't matter business minute. It's all ministry. Let's, yeah. let's just go ahead and say that it's all ministry. Because people are ministry. And so, um, you know, it, it just comes down to, man, are we going to sit in his arms and let him love on us? 
Yeah. And, and one thing I've always loved about you since we met um, years ago was your energy, man. You just have this energy about you. And, um, and I, I appreciate that. I, I saw you, I think it was there uh, 2019. We were at your church. You were, you were at the Cowboy Church there at Stephenville. You were the youth pastor. And yeah. it was, I got to share our ministry a little bit. And, and just, uh, it, was, it was a great time. Kids got to yeah. ride horses on your ranch. And it was, it was a fun <laughs> time, man. Now you grew up in Stephenville. Uh, tell us uh, now. Tell us. We're talking about fatherlessness. So tell us yeah. more about your story. You um, with your with your situation with your dad. Yeah. So um, you know, grew up in Stephenville, Texas, and you know, I like I had to leave it to Beaver family. You know, um, and if, if you're not in your 30s or older, you don't even know what that is, anyways. But that was a family that was just picture perfect, man. It was like you know the idealistic family in America. You know, we had um, I had three older brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, they all loved Jesus. And, uh, we'd have events and gatherings at our house with people all the time. And, um, it's just a fun atmosphere. My dad would take us on adventures all the time. I mean, it was kind of like the epic home to live in, in my opinion, you know, in every way, shape and form. Um, but one of the things we did is we team roped together, which in the rodeo world, that means one person rides a horse and ropes the steer's horns and one rides a horse and ropes his legs, you know, and that's a sport. So, that's what we did as a family for fun. And uh, so I entered in my very first ever team roping with my dad. We were in a town about 30 miles away from my hometown. And we stepped out and did like the crescendo moment, you know, like here I am nine years old roping with my dad, you know, competing for money and all this stuff. You know, it was just like, you're doing the deal, you know, and uh, yeah. it's one of those days where you'll, I'll never forget, you know, and, um, and it was a, uh, it was an awesome day. And then we get in the truck that night head on our way home. Those ropings get done late at night. It was around midnight. And uh, we got about <clears throat> probably 15 minutes down the road. I fell asleep in my mom's lap. We were in a Ford four-door truck, you know, bench seat in the front, bench seat in the back, no seat belts. And uh, I fall asleep in my mom's lap. And the next thing I know, I wake up in a burning truck. Windshield shattered and there's flames coming through. And I'm like, what in the world? And I turn around, look at my mom, my dad, they're picture perfect. They're flawless. I look at my two older brothers. They're flawless. My sister wasn't in the car. And I'm like, what is going on? Next thing I know, I turn around and look back towards the right. And a guy, a guy picks me up and carries me and lays me on the side of the road. And I look back over and I can see I was in a burning truck. What had happened is, is that a young man coming out of our hometown was full of so much anxiety, um, pain, stress um, from losing one of his brothers that same night. That was the anniversary night that um, he just didn't think life mattered anymore. And it was too much for him. And so he actually swerved and hit us head on at over 100 miles an hour. So he hits us so hard that, you know, his engine merges into our truck and all that. And I mean, it was a crazy. His engine block was 300 feet down the road. I mean, it was a massive impact. But the, the cool thing about the Lord and all this is that where I was sitting when I woke up, I wasn't sitting. I was actually out the hanging out the back window from what I was told. And, um, and I literally, the Lord had taken me out of my body, put me in the front seat of the truck and shown me a picture of my family flawless in first person. Mm. But in all reality, my dad had snapped his neck and died instantly beside me. My mom had hit the front dashboard in the windshield and broke most of her bones in her face. Her nose was shattered. Her back was broken and her leg was pinned under the engine, broken and shattered. 
my brother behind me had hit the 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 truck and concave hit his head on the concave spot split him from his eyebrow to the middle of his skull split him wide open and he was dead in cardiac arrest behind me and i don't see any of that i mean i literally saw them picture perfect and so I didn't know this as a nine-year-old boy, but what God was showing me in that moment, in the most tragic, chaotic moment of my life, when I entered into fatherlessness that night, he was there. And he showed me his perfection. He showed me his love. He showed me how I could see from his viewpoint that where no matter what pain we're in, no matter what dysfunction we're in, no matter how bad it is, we can be seen as picture perfect in the eyes of the Father. Why? Because of Jesus' blood. When we commit our lives to Jesus, when we... When we say we want you, when it says that we are we are white as snow, yet our sin was red as crimson, but now we're white as snow, like that's real. And that we're seen in the perfection of Jesus, not what we can do, but what Jesus can do, you know? And and so I saw that as a nine-year-old boy in that moment, but I didn't know that, you know? I didn't realize all, I didn't realize everybody was the way they were until I woke up the next day in the hospital. My face was split. My left leg was broken. And, uh, I woke up in the hospital and there's hundreds of people in the hospital. They wheel me down. I go into my mom's room. She's bandaged from head to toe. My uncle's standing there. He pulls me aside and he says, hey, son. He goes, uh, I need you to know that your dad's dead. Hmm. They wheel me out of there, wheel me into my brother's room. He's in a coma. They'd already revived him multiple times, brought him back to life. And now he's in a coma. And he's just sitting there like, a, you know, just. I mean, stitches everywhere, blood's everywhere still. And then they wheel me out of there into a car and take me back home to a house that was never the same ever again. And uh, and so I went from this picture-perfect family to a, a living nightmare, to be honest, for the next nine years in, in different ways. Yeah. And, um, and so, man, I went through a journey of losing my identity, you know, and not knowing what to do, you know, going into sexual identity stuff. Um, that just got confusing as heck. Um, then went into, you know, living off of performance and performing for everybody in sports because I was good at sports. And so I got all my accolades through trophies and championships and broken records and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then it went from women to drugs to alcohol to uh, you name it. I mean, I did every statistic a fatherless kid does. Everything that should have put me in prison. Um, fights, you name it. Um, and, um, and yet none of it satisfied. What I was just yearning for was the consistency of a father. Again, I was yearning for a dad to tell me, I love me. He was loving me. And he's proud of me no matter what I did, no matter anything, you know, I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted to be loved, you know, and be a part of a family that was a loving family. Um, and so, you know, through all of that, um, I end up, I was going to commit suicide and hit, hit an 18 wheeler head on with my truck. Same way that kid died, you know? And, um, and that night I went to turn the steering wheel. I had three friends in the truck and I was going to kill all three of them too. And, um, and it's because, you know, you get into these moments and nothing matters, but you, right. Nothing matters, but your pain, your dysfunction, your brokenness, all of it. That's just, that's the only thing you can see. And, um, and I just was like, man, I'm so done. I can't do this anymore. I just inherited a bunch of money. I bought houses an 18 year old kid and I didn't fix it. You know, uh, I was dating different girls. Every girl was different. None of them fixed it. You know I mean? Just all of it. None of it fixed it. And, um, and so I was like, I'm done, you know? And I remember I was about to turn the wheel 
And I heard this still quiet voice in my head. It wasn't like a booming, like, you know, hey, jerk. You know, it's just like right in the, just the still quietness of my mind. You don't want to do this. And I just in my everything in me was like, you, you know, I want to do this. Like, you don't get it. Like, I, this life sucks, man. I don't want it. And, uh, and I'd sat there for who knows how long it was, maybe two seconds, you know, but it was just like, you know what? I don't want to do this. And I, it, I just had enough time to respond. And it's like something froze me to the steering wheel. It was like, I don't know if an angel came in there and held me. I don't know what happened, but something happened where I could not move that wheel anymore. And that 18 wheeler passed by and I was scared to death. You know, it was like, holy cow, dude, I, I was seriously going to do it. Like didn't tell nobody, no red flags. Nobody knew. I mean, I was that kid. I was one of the most popular kids in school. I was, you know, I had this stuff driving the nicest truck in the, in the, in the parking lot, like out of everybody, you know, like, I was the last guy that you would have thought would have committed suicide in high school. Um, but yet I was, you know, and I was there. Um, and so shortly after that, I was like, okay, God, why do you have me here? Like I knew who Jesus was. I mean, I grew up going to church and I went to church off and on throughout all this, but I didn't know any more than Jesus saved me. And some dude in a boat, you know, floated and a rainbow came out one day, you know, like stuff like that. You know I mean? Like, I didn't really know the nuts and bolts of what God says about me and who I am and who he is. And so I went on a journey, man, and went searching in college um, and uh, ran into some dudes that just radically loved Jesus. And uh, they weren't fake. They weren't double sided and all this craziness, you know, and uh, they were just real as it got. And I got so attracted to how real it was to them. That I was like, dude, I'll do whatever it takes to have what they have. You know, and they started talking to me about the power of the Holy Spirit and how he can change your life and how you can really dive into him. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, like I just know Jesus died on the cross for me. You know, I didn't realize I had the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Like I had access to that thing. You know what I mean? And um, and so I just dipped in, man, and I just went all head in running after Jesus and went on a mission trip to Spain and uh here I was on an island that hadn't been ministered to in a hundred years. These people had never heard the name of Jesus before uh, from what we'd understood to the missionaries. And uh, I thought, holy cow, I'm living what the Bible's talking about. But it hadn't become real to me yet until I was on top of a mountain, probably 5,000 foot up, looking at the ocean straight down. And I was just like, man, like I'm halfway across the world and God is just as real over here as he is in America. and I'm telling people about him that never heard about him. Like, how am I even doing right now? And I went down to the dinner table that night, sat at the dinner table. And it's just like this presence was overwhelming me. Something was like, I can't explain it. But it's like a lead weight when you go to like the dentist and they put that lead weight on top of, you know, like there was a presence and I could not understand it until I'm sitting at that dinner table. And all I can explain is, is it was almost like a, a wind or a, a something just like blew through my soul, blew through my chest. And it's like everything disappeared, like all my pain, my, my anxiety, my frustration, like all this stuff just started melting out of me. And it was like this joy and this peace and love. And like, I didn't even know how to explain it. It felt like somebody shot me with adrenaline, you know, and I'm just like, 
what the heck is this? You know, just at the end of the, I mean, we're all eating dinner, dude. It's not like we were at like some crazy event or something. Like no music was playing. Like I wasn't getting this like crazy emotional high off of something. We were eating dinner. And, um, and then all of a sudden I just feel like these arms, tangible arms, something hold me. And I hear that same voice that I heard that night in the truck. And it was the same one. He says, I love you. You're my son. I want you to do this the rest of your life. And dude, I'm like, I I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell everybody at the table, like, you have no idea what just happened to me. But I was crying so hard, like I'm sobbing, like snot rockets, like I'm talking sobbing. I'm crying so hard because I thought if God was going to tell me anything truly, that he's going to tell me he hated me. Like, I mean, I genuinely thought that he wanted nothing to do with me. I was just this used up piece of trash, done run everybody through the mud, led so many people astray, you name it. I mean, just all of that. My sin was ever before me. And yet the very thing is opposite. He just sat there and helped me and told me he loved me. And it broke everything in me. And man, I, I found the tangible presence of his Holy Spirit that night. And I mean, I read my Bible and it's like, I felt like the freaking words were flying off the page, landing in my heart, you know? And I'm just like, holy freaking cow. Like, this is amazing. You know, I'm I like, literally, I remember my highlighter never left the page. <laughs> I was like, I literally just kept that sucker going the whole time I was reading. And I just, I was like, okay, this is not practical. You know, it's like I'm highlighting my entire freaking Bible right now. (laughs) But it was so like, it was so real. Like it was so tangible. It became live and active and sharp and like, whoa. And, um, and dude, once you get held in the father's arms or once you have this moment with Jesus where you realize that he loves you, he paid for your sin, he doesn't hold it against you, like he just wants to encounter you, he wants a relationship with you, um, and 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 just be overwhelmed by that. Wow, man, it changes the game like forever, you know? Um, and that dude, that set me on a trajectory of like a whole new path, a whole new world. You know, I mean, I lived eight, I lived, I lived 18 years, you know, the other way. And I've lived another 18 years this way. And man, dude, I couldn't trade it for the world. You couldn't offer me enough money for it. You couldn't offer me enough fame, whatever. I don't care what you couldn't offer me anything to take what he's given me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that real, you know, it's just something you'll never, once you taste and see and know that he's good and you abide in him golly, uh, you don't want anything else. And so, you know, people always ask me, you know, what's the antidote to fatherlessness? It's Jesus. It's Jesus and it's his loving arms. It's the father's embrace. That's it. Like, that's it. And then we have to actually step up to the plate and start being a father, you know, and, and, and helping others come into their own identity, helping others become the men that God calls us to be, you know, and the sons that he calls us to be and all of that. Like now we have to step up to the plate and be Jesus in the flesh to help and be a part of the solution, you know? Um, and you know, that's, uh, you know, that's just what my heart's been running after for the last 18 years. Like, Lord, yeah. would you just put that one boy, the boy that killed my dad, same boy that I was, would you just keep putting one of those in front of me? Mm, you know, that's good. I just want one. You, we don't have to, we don't got to reach thousands and millions all the time or think about it or, you know, maybe one day. No, 
It can maybe be the cl- the kid sitting in a class next to you. It can maybe be the teacher. It can maybe be the coach, or it maybe is the kid down the street from you, your next door neighbor, the kid at the grocery store, or just like just a minute ago, I was in an archery shop shooting archery, getting uh, getting ready for some bow fishing that we're doing on the river. And, you know, guy comes walking in today and just broken and hurting. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? He's like, go ask him if you can pray for him. You know, I don't know the guy from Adam, you know, but I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I don't know if you have a faith background, but, you know, he started sharing. He had a brain aneurysm, possibly. And the doctors are going to do all this analysis. And uh, and he goes, I got I basically kind of got a death wish today. And I was like, man, how about you get a life wish today? You know, how about how about let's breathe some life into this moment right now? It's like, let's just pray. Let's just ask Jesus, the healer, the miracle worker himself to be with us. And that's it. Like, you know, and. It's simple things like that. You know, we don't have to go to seminary to become a, a life giver to other people around us. You know, we don't have to go to seminary uh, to to be able to just be a father to the fatherless or loving others around us. Like the Bible is just really clear about that. Like just look at other people, consider them better than yourself and be encouraging to them. You know, um, but that's all we can boil it down to. Every young man, every boy, you and I know this, every one of us are starving for affection and love and acceptance from another male yeah. to just tell who we are. You know, yeah, so true. it's just simple. It's simple. Like, you know, I think we just complicate the heck out of it, man. I do it all the time too. I'm guilty of it. You know, I mean, yeah. but if what you boil it, practical? it's what we're looking for. What are some practical things for people that are listening to this, you know, for a guy. So you're working with guys that were like you as a teenager. What are some practical things that you, you implement? If you you start working with a guy like right at the beginning to kind of break the ice. Cause you know, sometimes teenagers, they're just like, I don't want to work. I don't want to talk to anybody. What do you do? What's some practical advice you have for people that are trying to help kids? I'd say this encouragement breaks the walls of rejection. Right. So if you're encouraging somebody and loving on them, telling them, you know, just amazing things about them or man, that immediately starts breaking down the walls of I want to reject you. Right. Yeah. So the fastest way to repel somebody is to come and speak at them. OK. And to, you know, this, this, you need this, you need that, you need this, you need that. Um, that's the fastest way to repel someone that's younger than you specifically. Right. Especially a fatherless kid. Right. Because we ain't, I don't want to hear none of that. You know, don't come away with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you love me? The saying is, is you don't care how much somebody knows until you know how much they care. Like, that's the saying, right? We all talk about all the time. So what I love to do is I sit down and ask a lot of questions, you know, and just get to know somebody, listen 10 times more than I speak. Um, I love to encourage a lot and just speak a lot of encouragement and, and belief into somebody and then the other side of it is, is just find something you both like to do or something they've never done and go do it. Like, that's why we hunt and fish and full wheeling in the back country and riding horses and you name it. Like, I'm just going, if you've never done it, you want to do it and I can do it with you. Come on, let's go right now. Like, I'm going to take you right now. Or what's something you love to do? And I want to come watch you do it. You know, like, I want to be a part of watching you do what you're great at. And I'm going to tell you how great you are. You know what I mean? And yeah whether you suck royally I don't, you know what I'm saying like to the world standards like we can't we can't do that we can't go in there we can just go in there and love the heck out of somebody be a super encourager and that begins to break the walls down right so that we actually begin to have a heart-to-heart connection 
And it's not like me tell you what to do. I'm your mentor. So I'm going to mentor you and all this stuff. That's great. And that was what it'll morph into that you can become a mentor or a father figure to somebody, but they got to know you love them. And if they don't know you, love them, then they don't care. I'm telling you specifically the fatherless world, you know, there's so much rejection, hurt, pain, fear involved with it that man, it's just, you got to break through all that with love first. Um, and, uh, and let the, all the other stuff be secondary as it comes out, you know, but that's relationship. That's spending time. I mean, that's just there's no other way around it than face to face interaction time, you know, and being present. Like my wife and I, we open up our home all the time. We have people in our home all the time and and just sit down, eat a meal like another. You want to go really simple? Just have a meal together. Like that's it, you know, um, and just be present. Don't have your phone out. You know, don't be scrolling through. Don't tell them how awesome you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, Don't sit there and tell them a whole bunch of stories about how great you are because you're insecure trying to, you know, get them to like you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just being serious. You know, I'm being real like that. We do that all the time. We get, we get out of these meetings and we're so insecure as men that we can't even be present and talk about them or encourage them, you know, because we're so insecure about our own self. And so it's like, hey, just throw that to the side. They don't care about how great you are. They don't care if you broke a bunch of records. They don't care if you own millions of dollars. What they really care about is, do you love them? Bottom line, right there. You know what I'm saying? And and if they know that, then, man, they'll jump in all, 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 all four feet, like I say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll be on their hands and knees, you know. We're coming out now, you know. It's game on, you know. So um, that and then get in the word together, you know. Um, start breaking down just parts of the Bible. Start in the book of John. It's one of the greatest books to start in if you want to start talking spiritual talk. Like, you don't have to have all the answers. I'm going to tell you this right now, right? You don't have to have all the answers. YouTube has a lot of them. They're great. Okay, go to YouTube if you don't got the answers. If you don't have YouTube, then you're living on underneath a rock somewhere. But if you don't <laughs> have the answers, it's okay. Like, I think that's what we're so afraid of as mentors or trying to be a father figure is, what if they ask me, you know, whatever the dinosaurs become before Jesus or Jesus before dinosaurs, you know what I mean? Like, what do I do with that? You know? Uh, well, ask somebody, you know, or go Google it and say, Hey, great idea. I've never actually researched that before. Let's do it together. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I think doing some of those practical steps of creating relationship, heart to heart connection, um, is what goes farther than anything that I've seen. Okay. That's great. Now, now you've mentioned about being a husband, being a dad. Um, what are some things that you have learned? Because you 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 had a dad growing up for how many years? When did he pass away? What year was that? You're nine yeah. years old. So, what are some things that you've seen as a husband and as a father that you've had to learn? Because um, there's a lot of struggles there a lot of times. Because when you don't, you're you had a dad up to your nine. What are some things that you've seen that you've had to kind of relearn or things like that as a husband and as a dad? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know no um i think in the realest sense um I, I try and get around people and watch and model right yeah. so i've got four or five different men in my life that are older than me a lot older than me that you know i ask them a lot of questions you know i see how they parent their pe- their kids i read the i read tons of books um i talk with my peers about how they're raising their kids um And then I go to the father and I get in the word and I figure out what the Lord says about me and and how he talks to me. And that's how I should talk to my kids. 
right? So, you know, I think it's, I think, I think it's so many facets. I don't think there's a one-way track. I don't think there's just this narrow path of becoming this excellent dad. I think it's in humility. You, you humble yourself and you ask a lot of people for help. Um, and they're all going to have different opinions and different ways they raise their kids. But man, fruit, you know, fruit is fruit, you know, and if you get to see people that have, you know, some incredible kids around them and you wonder how they did it, you know, or they've got some kids that run off and go on their own way because everybody's an individual at the end of the day, you know, and you, you tell them how they're working through it. Um, but, you know, it, it, in all of it, um, humility leads the way. Like there's so many times, this is something that I do with my kids all the time is, man, I'll ask my own kids for forgiveness or I'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I talked to you today, or mm-hmm. I shouldn't have treated you that way. Like, you know, I think there's so much of that. We get this model of dads of you go out, go make the money, come home, go do your hobbies and disappear. Right. Or whatever it is, you know, that's the model we see out there in the world, you know, work, 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 get the, get the American dream, come home, live your lifestyle, you know, and, and tuck the kids in in bed, you know, versus taking your kids along the journey with you and everything you're doing. Um, and, uh, when you get home and going on adventures with them, encountering them in new ways and finding out what they love and, and doing it with them. And, you know, the same principles apply even in your own house and in your own kids and creating a safe place, creating a place that they want to be. Um, you know, but that create that, that all comes back to us as men having to go through our own struggles and battles to find out what does that mean for us? You know, so, I mean, I think some practicals are, you know, I date my daughters, uh, I take my boys on trips together and I take my daughters on trips. Um, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing is, is that, um, we do things together. So we eat meals together, you know, um, we make decisions together. Like anytime I've made a decision to move or change careers, my kids have had say in all of it. Yeah. And my kids and my kids have actually been the ones that will actually give me the permission to do what we do next, you know? And, um, and sometimes that works, you know, obviously not everybody has the same situation and not everybody can do it the same, but, um, but man, I, I want my kids to be involved in our life and in our decisions and in what we do and how we do it so that, um, they're actually learning as they come along with us and they're a part of our family. Like we're one unit, we are together in this and, uh, and we're doing our best to do it together, you know? So, um, dad's not out there to do it all on his own and go figure it all out and, come home and, you know, you're so stressed that you just binge on stuff, whatever it is for you to binge on, you know, um, and, and check out, but instead being able to check that stuff at the door, you know, and be present when you get home, man, we just need to be able to be present when we get home. And that's hard to do sometimes. Um, but I, it's worth it. It's worth it big time. That's awesome, man. Um, now we have about five minutes left. I just wanted to ask you about your your mom, um, your sister, like how did, how did they overcome? I mean, how, if you don't mind me asking that, yeah. how, no, how did I, they handle the situation? Well, it was yeah, super tough, man. I mean, my sister had to grow up overnight, you know, she was a 17 year old. I believe she was 17 at the time and she's taking care of me and, and my mom. And I mean, my mom went through surgeries forever. Um, my mom didn't handle it well in the beginning, you know, and that emotionally just wrecked her. Uh, and it took her, you know, every bit of 10 years to actually come out of that. You know, my mom went through deep, dark pain, suicide, you know, 
just lots of stuff. I mean, that's just a, you know, today I wouldn't tell you, I, I mean, I, I know how to, I'd do it or I'd know how I'd encounter all that, man. I just, that was a lot. And then now, dude, she loves Jesus and we all live on the same ranch together. And, you know, we've, we've totally all come back together and, and are doing some awesome stuff together and, um, and getting to do life together again now here, you know, all these years later. And so God's totally restored everything. He's restored her. He's restored our relationship. He's restored our life, you know, and my sister in the middle of it all, you know, uh, is on her own same journey of being, she's being restored and she's doing amazing, incredible things now. And she's building orphanages around the world and hospital clinics around the world for orphans. And I mean, you know, she's doing incredible stuff, you know? So it's like, it's cool to see in spite of the tragedy and in spite of the brokenness of fatherlessness, you know, uh, we've all ended up coming into an own place where, man, God's still present and God's still doing stuff, you know, and using our family in a really cool way. Um, but uh, it, it comes through, man, struggle and trials and all that stuff, but just not giving up. You know, I just tell people all the time, just don't give up, you know, yeah. um, it's going to it's it. Life is extremely fun and amazing, but it can be extremely painful and discouraging. Um, and I went through a lot of those years and there's still years that it can still face it. Like we still face trials and pain today, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's not void of it, but when you're in the father's arms, I'm going to say this, this is what I want to close on. Like if you're in the father's arms, nothing else matters. And if you can't get in that place, man, ask somebody that knows how, you know what I'm saying? Um, just say, father, I want to be held in your arms. Would you make this real to me? You know, and if you've never given your life to Jesus, you know, then you you have no ability to be in his arms. Like he can't hold you in his arms unless you come through Jesus. And when you say, Jesus, I need you, I need you to save me and give me away to the Father. And man, it's like you're right in his arms, man. And that's what Jesus does. He paves the way for us to be able to be embraced by the Father. And and he becomes the true father of fathers to us, you know. And um, and then he'll bring all these amazing people around us. That's called the body. Um, and we get to learn and love each other along the way, you know. But um, but that's the biggest thing I would say out of all this is being able to rest in his arms. Know that you're loved and know that you're amazing. Know that you have everything you need through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome anything. Your addictions, your failures, your fears, your doubts, condemnation, all of that. The love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit can give you any way out of any of that. And I was the deepest, darkest one in it. So if I can do it, you can do it. That's so good, man. I appreciate you wrapping up with that. That's awesome. Uh, as we close, uh, would you tell us uh, where to find you? Tell us a little more about your Frills design. I mean, you, you're doing houses now. Tell us where to find you. Yeah, man. Uh, you can you can find me a little bit on Facebook and Instagram. At, you know, Frills Designs uh, is our construction company. Um, but uh, you know, go to Jake and Sarah Frills and Facebook. You can go to Jake Frills or Jake underscore Frills, uh, F-R-E-E-L-S. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on social media as much anymore, man. I just, you know, I'm living life with the person in front of me. So uh, if you want to, if you want to get in touch with me uh, through email, you can email me at jake at heartofmanycolors.com, um, heartofmanycolors.com. And, uh, and that's another way you can get a hold of me. Uh, if you need prayer or you need something, uh, man, you can reach out to me that way. But, uh, but that's it, man. That's pretty much who I am. And, and I'm just so glad to be here with you, Sean. I'm so glad that what you're doing is changing the world. 
And um, you're incredible, dude. And I'm just stoked to be your friend. I am too, man. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for being on with us today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good day. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.